listening to the Women's Online Wellness Podcast, a podcast all about your health and wellness issues that affect you every day. We want to educate, entertain, and maybe make you giggle a little along the way. No annoying statistics or jargon here, just information you can use every day to be healthier, happier, and less boring. All right, here's your host, OBGYN Dr. Ron Eaker. Hey, well, VIPers, welcome to another edition of Thirsty Thursday, a very special edition. We love to bring guests on this because I know you get sick of seeing me all the time. You get tired of looking at this mug, even though I've got my hair cut now and I don't have the viral do that I had in several of the previous uh, previous episodes. So it's great to be with you, clean cut, uh, well, at least more clean cut. But we've got a real special, special event for you this evening. We've got a special guest who has some great expertise. And I've told you before on this page, there's a lot of stuff I don't know. And I'm very, very quick to jump out and grab experts and things that, uh, that I really don't have an expertise in. And it's, it's wonderful to be able to have access to folks. And tonight we have Stephanie Cole with us, who is a very special person for us because not only is she an expert in nutrition, but she is our expert in nutrition. She, she works in partners with us on our weight management program and does all the nutritional counseling and, and has become an expert in virtual nutritional counseling because she lives in a far off country called Texas. Are you still in Texas, Stephanie? <laughs> I am in Texas now, yes. Okay, all right. Well, she's, she's in that separate, separate country known as Texas. <laughs> But it, it really this uh, we I, I like to say we kind of were doing telemedicine before telemedicine was cool. That's uh, very we've true. Been doing this uh, doing this now for a couple of years, and it really has illustrated how well this can really deliver the quality that we want. So we we knew telemedicine was something to be reckoned with, and it's just now the rest of the world is coming along. But. Welcome, Stephanie. We're glad you're Thank here you. with us. Take, take just a second and tell everybody a little bit about yourself just so they have some context. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so like Dr. Eager said, I'm in Texas, um, but born and raised actually in California. And that's where, uh, that's where I got uh, my nutrition degree and uh, my love for nutrition. So moved out here about four years ago um, and been working with Dr. Eager for about two years. But uh, nutrition in general, I've uh, been in the field for almost 15, um, specifically doing medical nutrition um, and weight loss, medical weight loss. So that that's my niche that I have found and love. Um, and I love seeing the impact that it has on patients' health and you know overall progress and really uh, seeing their health and transformation uh, become important to them. So uh, yeah, I, I love what I do. I've been doing it for a while and uh, very happy to be here. Yeah, and, and uh, one one, a funny piece about uh, Stephanie and she for the first while that we worked with her she was living in the Virgin Islands yep. and you talk about making some people mad when she would counsel <laughs> them with these palm trees waving oh, yeah. in the back and the beaches the waves crashing on the beach and we're sitting here in a in, in Augusta so she um, she has since relocated back home to Texas so uh, that's again the beauty of the telemedicine uh, we appreciate you being with us. It's amazing, and, and I knew this was a case, but it's amazing the response that we got about a week ago when I put out the call on our Facebook page to let us know about any particular questions you might have. Yeah. And what I found was there were a remarkable similarity in the questions. People would 
express it a little differently, but the context was often the same. So I went through and called out as many as I could, and we're going to really address as, as many as, I, as we can in this uh, 30, 45-minute time frame. And there, there was a lot that overlapped, so I kind of consolidated some of those questions. Okay. And we're going to use those as a jumping off point. We may, people know on this Facebook page, I have a habit of going off on tangents. So we may find something that's fun that I, I want to go in rabbit hole. So okay. I reserve the right to go on a tangent. Okay. All right. Well, vice versa. <laughs> Good deal. Good deal. Well, one, I think one of the most topical and important questions that people had right now is their struggle with how to eat appropriately and avoid the pitfalls while they're in the shelter in place scenario. We don't know, this is, this is the first of June, the first week in June. We don't really know how much longer things are gonna be this way. We know that for particularly high risk individuals and mm -hmm. simply by age, there's a lot of people on our Facebook page who are in that age group, they're still being asked to shelter in place. So we've got a lot of folks who are out of their habits and out of their patterns of right. eating or shopping. What's your thoughts on maybe some tips or tricks for people who are in a home environment a lot more than they're used to for staying healthy nutritionally? Yeah, yeah, great question. Uh, I have a few suggestions for that. Um, so the one seems obvious, but uh, you have to have healthy foods available. So I know that sounds like a no-brainer, but uh, believe it or not, that comes up a lot of, well, I didn't have anything else to eat, so I ate this. Um, so de definitely number one is, is make it a priority when you do get to the grocery store that you do buy the, the healthy options. Um, number two uh, is get rid of you know most of your tempting foods that you do have in the house that you know you have a hard time either limiting the portions or just not part of you know your health goals. Um, and that may not be the case for everybody, you know, especially if you have husbands or kids in the house that you can't, you know, completely get rid of everything. And I personally understand that as well. Um, so with that, what I would suggest is uh, have a safe place for you where, you know, either in the fridge that you have your separate, you know, um, space for your foods that go in the fridge or your pantry. So when you go to get a snack or making a meal, uh, when you open up the pantry, you don't necessarily always see those foods that you are trying to avoid. So um, so yeah, so number one, make sure you have them. Number two, um, you know, create that, that safe space for you. Uh, a few other things that, uh, that I can think about um, is you want to make those healthy foods just as convenient as the unhealthy ones. Um, so a lot of the times, you know, if we, if we do get hungry, we want, you know, that quick, easy, convenient option. And if you have to assemble something, uh, it, can, it can deter you from eating healthy. So uh, yeah, making sure that uh, your healthy options are just as healthy or just as convenient as, as maybe those grab and go unhealthy options, you know, pre-cutting vegetables or wrapping up some uh, deli meats and cheese and, and having those, like I said, just, you know, kind of grab and go, uh, no, no assembly required. Um, yeah, like, I love that idea because that, you know, this, so much of this is based on practicality and convenience. Mm -hmm. And when people say things are simple and common sense, generally that's where your ears need to perk up because they wouldn't get to that category if they didn't work. So just because something is simple and common sense doesn't mean it's not something that's really valuable. And I, I love that suggestion. I even tell folks with the bad stuff is literally put physical barriers between them, yeah. put them up on a top shelf, make it exactly. hard to get to even something that simple can make a difference. You right. touched a, you touched a little bit on something I think that's really important and that's the concept of 
of healthy snacks. A lot of times we don't think of snacking in terms of something that could actually be healthy and filling. Give us, uh, you, you mentioned a couple of things. Any other suggestions that you tell folks about as far as just healthy snacks that they could have readily available? Yeah, uh, absolutely. So, um, you know, if, if you are any of my patients uh, watching this video, you know that I harp all the time on, on every meal and snack uh, having some sort of protein. Um, so I think protein really should be the foundation of most of our meals and snacks. So really grab and go uh, proteins. Um, we have string cheese, cottage cheese, uh, Greek yogurt, um, even, you know, chicken salad, hard boiled eggs. Um, you know, those are kind of your, your quick, easy go to snack options that are protein. And then, you know, you can build from those proteins with adding in uh, small amounts of fruit or, of course, vegetables can't go wrong there. Um, but yeah, I, I'm a stapler for, for protein. So as long as you have the foundation of protein, good. Yeah, and protein is really helpful from the standpoint of satiety because, yep. of course, it stays in the stomach longer, takes more to digest it time-wise. So that's what creates its its ability to keep you from, from getting that hunger sensation, which then what sometimes will drive that, that future. And we're actually seeing that to digest proteins in many cases actually burns more calories. People don't realize there's a thing called a thermogenic uh, effect of, of food because the right. different food you eat is metabolized differently. Now it doesn't granted compose a large portion of your energy drain through the day, but it's, it could be significant. So every little bit helps. So Absolutely. not only does the protein keep you more full, but it actually burns more calories to metabolize. So there's a lot of benefits in that. And, yep. and I think like anything else, I think the, the real take home there is make the healthy snacks, think ahead, mm -hmm. think ahead, pre-plan. Yep. So you're not caught off guard yep. when yep. that hunger strikes and then make them as simple and as readily available as possible. Make, make the bad stuff hard to get, make the good stuff easy to get. And it's amazing that one little change. Right. Let me ask you about something that was brought up the other day that I had not really thought about until mm -hmm. uh, this patient brought it up. Okay. And, you know, we think a lot about the preparation phase and having stuff available. And, but specifically as it relates to COVID, she was talking about how her interaction in the grocery store has dramatically changed what she's shopping for. She was talking about one, she wants to get in there and get out as quick as possible. So right. she's not reading labels. She's kind of grabbing things quickly. That, And it had not occurred to me that that really may be an issue. Is, have you heard any, any things like that as far as the actual acquisition of food and how that's different and maybe how you could, how you could change that during this time frame? Right. Yeah. No, I have heard that a little bit. Uh, that and uh, people gravitating more towards uh, shelf-stable foods and, and stuff like that. Now, granted, that was kind of more in the beginning when things were a little bit more unpredictable. Um, but I think, yeah, definitely going into the store with a plan, um, it, it always helps. You know, if, if you if you need to wing it, you know, you may, you may again, just grab what's convenient or, you know, not take the time to look at the ingredients. So, um, you know, see if one, if your grocery stores have the option to do online shopping, um, where all you have to do is go pick it up and that way, you know, eliminates any in the moment decisions, you know, something that you actually have to, to think about and, and plan for. Um, but definitely going in with the list, um, I think, I think helps and, uh, you know, not being in a rush and, 
uh, taking the time to still read labels. And if, if that's something that you don't feel comfortable doing right now, then yeah, do it in the comfort of your own home. Um, you know, most of, most of the grocery stores nowadays uh, have uh, most of their um, options available online. Yeah, that's, that's an excellent, that's one of the advantages that have, has developed with this COVID is the ability to, I think people are much more comfortable now putting an order in online and just picking it up. And it does yeah. give you that control. It does give right. you that sense of, I can make these choices. In fact, we actually on our website for our weight management group uh, have a suggested shopping list that people could use as a template. Mm-hmm. And that, that kind of gets into this, this idea that I think is, is very important. And I know it's something you embrace and that's being proactive and doing meal prep mm-hmm. and, planning ahead what do you ever run across or I'm sure you do run across certain common issues that well first of all why don't you explain what what meal prep is and what role that plays in not just weight loss but just nutrition in general yeah yeah uh Good question. Um, and I think meal planning, you can go, you can go many different ways with it. Um, some of the drawbacks to meal planning is, you know, most people don't want to take the time to plan out their meals, you know, on a weekly basis. And, and I absolutely understand that I, I myself don't go that far. Um, but even just meal planning for your day, I think has significant impacts not only, you know, with, like you said, if you're consistent with that with weight loss, but, uh, but overall health, because if you are planning out your foods, you're more likely to adhere to those healthy options and again, not, not be as tempted by, you know, maybe something that walks by in the office or something that your husband's eating. Um, so I think just having a plan for the day um, of, of what you're going to eat is, is way more impactful um, if you don't feel like meal planning, you know, specific meals days in advance. Um, yeah, it's kind of, a, kind of a, way of, a, a way of easing into it where you can start out by saying, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to plan, Monday on Sunday afternoon, or instead of trying to think, oh, I've got to put together 12 meals right. on this Sunday, start slow and take baby steps and build up. Yeah. But I think what that allows you to do, and one of the things that we suggest to folks who catch themselves in scenarios where they are forced to make poor choices just because mm-hmm. of the environment, if they're in a work setting and they only have vending machines or they don't have time enough to get somewhere if they thought ahead proactively and done Mm -hmm. the meal prep and it doesn't have to be anything complicated and we're not talking about you know gourmet meals for these things it can be as as simple as you know putting together some type of healthy casserole that will last for two or three days for lunches or or, and you know there's there's a hundred different resources for those kind of things so there's there's not a lack of information as much as just kind of a a lack of understanding of the value that that can be how many times do you find yourself and I'm talking to our wow folks how many times do you find yourself in situations where you really don't have options that you want to have and and we all do whether it's at home or work or whatever scenario we find ourselves in so that the more you can think through and pre-plan and anticipate those situations, that's where also sometimes in our, our weight program we'll use uh, bars and shakes. Um, in fact, let's, let's talk, we had a couple of questions on meal substitutes, yeah. and that kind of leads into that. Uh, 
and I, because I've worked with you, I know kind of how you feel about those and, and mm -hmm. how they're utilized. There's a lot on the market now. There's a lot. You can walk into any store and see shelf after shelf of protein, what, what's called protein bars. Right. Give me your your thoughts on the the meal substitutes and how to differentiate maybe a good one from a glorified candy bar, which some of them right. are. Right, absolutely. So, uh, you know, bars are really not my favorite when it comes to uh, to going low carb, just because even even the best ones still have their drawbacks. Um, so, so generally for bars, what I suggest is um, have you know if, if if you have to have them because you have no other options and you're trying to be proactive and have something healthy, um, definitely use that more as a backup plan, not necessarily a plan to go to. It's a uh, you know, I had to run an extra errand. I'm not going to be home for a few hours. At least I had this in my car and I didn't have to go through drive through or, you know, something else. So I think with bars, I prefer people, again, the whole planning thing is, is maybe have that as your plan B and your plan A is real whole food, whole food food. Um, just because the bars, they are like, like you said, kind of glorified candy bars. Um, they all have carbs in it. There's really no way to get, get around having a, a bar, um, without, without carbs. Yeah, and that, that, I think that's true. I use most of the time where I use that is in, in travel. If, if I'm mm -hmm. traveling uh, and I know that either I'm going to be on a plane or I'm going to be in a car for a period of time, you know, the last thing I want to get caught doing is going through a drive through somewhere. You know, that's one of my, one of my ground rules is this, if you get your food without ever having to leave the car, it's probably not the best stuff for you. So <laughs> that's a good one Plan yeah. ahead. That's that's eager maximum maximum number one. If, yep. you, if you're in the car and you get food, probably not a good choice. Yeah. Well, that what you said kind of started me thinking, and it really fed into probably one of the biggest questions that we got in multiple forms and repetitively, and that's kind of about macros mm -hmm. and about protein, carbs, and fats. Yeah. We've gone through such an evolution, and probably even in the time frame that you've been involved in nutrition, yeah. there's there's been a evolution. I know certainly I'm, you know, I've 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 got shoes older than you, so you know I've I've been through several of these evolutions where we, you know, growing up and in, in medical school even it was oh low fat, low fat's the way to go. I mean you've got to that's the healthiest approach, yeah. and we could spend hours on the history of why that came about. Mm -hmm. But now I think the general consensus is that a lower carbohydrate approach is really very good for weight management. But what we're also seeing is even in people who are at a reasonably normal weight, who just want to remain healthy, right. the two kind of caveats that I see is continue with a low carb intake and also be careful of total calorie intake. I think when you talk about calorie restriction, and that's based on a normal consumption, that's based on the normal US consumption, which is way more than it should be for the average person anyway. Right. But a little bit of calorie restriction along with the low carb. So tell me, tell me kind of what the nutritionists take on macros are right now. And you could you could divide that up whether it's specifically as it relates to weight loss or mm -hmm. specifically as it relates to just general health and wellness 
right. maybe both. Just, you know, just feel free to, to expand yeah. on that. Perfect. Yeah. So uh, specifically of the macronutrients, carbs, uh, like you said, the huge evolution from, uh, you know, having a high amount of carbs in your diet uh, to now, you know, the switch being more prone to, to want low carbs. Um, and yeah, even when I was in college, they were still teaching uh, high carb, low fat, even for diabetics, uh, which we know now is a, is a big no, no. Um, so yeah, so I think overall health and weight loss, they kind of go hand in hand. Um, and so traditionally, when when you do have a diet that's high in carbs, you're going to see a lot more kind of comorbidities with that diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, um, et cetera. So uh, bringing down your, your carbohydrate intake um, usually will impact those hugely in a, in a positive way. Um, so not only weight loss, but also, you know, with the, with the diseases that are associated with high carbs um, and, and twofold going to the other macronutrient now protein. Um, that's where you kind of have uh, the, the perfect uh, success is you're bringing down your carbohydrate intake at the same time, bumping up your protein. Um, so I know you touched on this a little bit, but protein is, is a dieter's best friend because like you said, it, it takes a lot to digest that. You're burning calories, digesting it, staying in your stomach for a longer period of time. So you are getting that feeling of fullness longer. Um, and it does a better job of controlling blood sugar. So anybody who does have insulin resistance or uh, is a diabetic, you will, you will see better blood sugar control by having less carbs and uh, more protein in your diet. Yeah, and I think uh, just to, to t even take it back one step, I know I know. Sometimes when we talk, of course, you know, we have a certain knowledge base, and and I think a lot of folks are a lot more educated on protein, carbs, and fats. Mm -hmm. We kind of throw those terms out there like we assume everybody knows exactly right. examples of what they are. Just take a minute and look at each one of those categories and just throw out some common examples. Uh, I think especially there's some confusion in the world of carbs as a mm -hmm. you know, because everybody says, well, eat your fruits and vegetables. Well, yeah. fruits and vegetables are carbs. Right. So, so yeah. this sets up this confusion, I think, in people's minds. So if you can kind of navigate that a little bit and explain maybe the difference between, I don't, I don't like using the term good carbs and bad carbs, no, yeah. different carbs. So right, give right. us a little breakdown and uh, a little nutrition 101 in that respect. Yeah, sure. Uh, so carbs, there is a huge umbrella of what foods fall under this category. Um, so you have your traditional, which most people associate with carbs, are you know your breads, your pastas, your rice, your beans, um, kind of more of your starchier foods. Uh, you also have uh, most of your snack foods, so your chips, your crackers, your pretzels. Um, but yes, even fruits and vegetables technically are carbohydrates. So generally, when you when you do go low carb, you bring down everything. You bring down the good, you bring down the bad, you bring down the ugly. Um, all of your carbs you, you want to decrease. So um, that is a, a debate that I get in a lot with with people, uh, especially with the fruits. Is you know fruits are good, but like you said, not labeling things good or bad, looking at them for what they are. Um, fruits are 100% carbohydrates. Um, so not to say that they are bad for you, but in a low carb diet and, and trying to bring that down, um, you definitely have to limit your fruit intake. Yeah. What I usually like to the kind of the, the thing that I tell folks is that generally look for fruits that you're going to eat with the peel still on them just yeah. because it gives you all that fiber and that fiber mm -hmm. helps reduce the absorption of the fructose, which is the fruit sugar that 
creates some of the issues in the liver for people. Yep. So, you know, you hear that the high fructose corn syrup and all the problems associated with that, although quite honestly, you can't compare fruits and fructose and high fructose corn syrup. Those are two different entities. Correct. But And that does confuse people sometimes. They share one word that's similar. <laughs> exactly. And that's about it. And yeah. that's about it. Uh, so, it, and I differentiate that easily by saying, well, you know, you eat an apple with the peel on it, you're going to get that fiber. It's going to bind and help prevent some of that fructose from getting in and raising your blood sugar rapidly, as opposed to a banana where you peel the fiber off, you peel the skin mm -hmm. off and you eat that unless you eat the skin on the banana and then you've got other problems. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, we won't go into the, into the other issues that the counseling that would need to be involved in someone eating a peel <laughs> on a banana. Right. But it just illustrates kind of how you, the nuances in looking at some of these foods. And sometimes it is a bit confusing to yeah. someone who doesn't have a background. And that's why, quite honestly, that's why I think someone like yourself, who is trained specifically in nutrition, is so valuable. And, and in fact, it's absolutely critical in a program like we do on weight management because Here's the dirty little secret. Most doctors know nothing about nutrition. Yeah. And I know you've probably run across that yeah. in your career. Oh, yeah. I mean, literally in, in medical school, now this was 30 years ago, it's gotten better, but in medical school we had, in four years, we had two weeks of nutrition. Yeah. And that, that boggles my mind now as we understand the um, incredible impact that nutrition has on health and wellness. It was completely missed in that educational process. So any, any physician, and I can say this almost across the board unless they're actually in the nutrition field, mm -hmm. but almost any physician, if they know anything about nutrition, it's because they've learned it on their own. Correct. It's not yeah. because they were taught it. So I think there is, if, if you were going to your doctor, uh, other than me, of course, <laughs> going to your doctor, uh, you probably, and again, this is a generalization, so no nasty emails, especially from your doctors that are in the group. <laughs> in general, they're not going to spend a lot of time talking to you about nutrition, right. not because they don't think it's important, but it's something that they really haven't focused on themselves. Right. And so that's why working with with people like Stephanie who have that expertise, I think is is so important, whether it's in a weight loss program or just in a in a wellness program and someone right. who's wanting to maintain their health. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's just something that we've seen across the board. So yeah. uh, you believe me, I, I, I defer when, when a patient comes in and Stephanie said this, told me this, my first <laughs> response is just like it is to my wife. Yep, she's right. <laughs> that's that's why I'm still married. You know, I've understood. I know the proper response, and so yeah. that's exactly the way I do it. Because you know, you gotta you want to defer to the experts. Along those lines, uh, we we also got a lot of questions about uh, tips and tricks to kind of stay full. The term we use is satiety. That you know, right. we use in in medicine is, but that's one of the issues that people oftentimes have, whether mm -hmm. it stems from cravings or, 
you know, when you when you change the diet, whether you're lowering the calorie intake, sometimes that's the trigger that keeps people from really the success that they want. So, mm-hmm. give me some thoughts about uh, feeling full, feeling uh, satiated, and maybe some tips or tricks that you've come across that, that help that. Yeah. So my, my first one, it's, it's counterintuitive. Um, but uh, eat before you get hungry. Uh, so most people that they, they go through the day and maybe all day without eating. Um, and then they decide to think about food once they're hungry. Um, and so literally, when we are hungry, we need a larger volume of food to shut that hunger off. Um, and you're kind of chasing your hunger, you never quite feel satisfied. Um, if you're always waiting until you get hungry to eat. Um, also, uh, that's also more associated with cravings. So if you're always, you know, skipping meals and going too long between your meals, you're going to experience more cravings. So counterintuitive, but my number one tip for, uh, for staying full is to eat before you get hungry. Um, you will find that it's easier for you to manage those decisions uh, when you're not eating out of hunger. You know, you're not going to be as tempted to eat this versus this. You'll be able to eat what you planned or, or what is a healthy option. Um, and you will be satisfied with less. It's, it's hard to um, envision, but uh, once, and I have my patients tell me this all the time, I never thought that that would have worked, but I absolutely um, am more satisfied. I don't have hunger. I don't have cravings just from eating kind of more regular and eating before you get hungry. Yeah, and there, there are two factors that, that you have to take in consideration with the cravings. One is just the physiology, the what we feel, the stomach growling, just that. Yeah. And then the second part is just the psychology of it. Right. And I think oftentimes there, we have so, so relegated our eating habits to society norms as opposed to really physiology. Yeah. That sometimes there's a mismatch between the, the hunger signals, uh, the fact that the clock says a certain time and I know I'm supposed to eat at a certain time. So, there really is kind of an art to try to balance though that physiology and the psychology because either one can create problems for people who are trying to be smart about right. their nutrition. Uh, and I think that's, uh, that's a, a very good tip. And that's something that you could just take that one thing from here and it would be valuable for you in trying to, abate both the physiological and the psychological one helps the other yeah yeah what another common question we got and i wanted to get your impression and then i'll chime in a little bit about hormones which is kind of my area of expertise but there was a lot of questions about differences in age and how that could either impact weight loss or one question was as I'm getting older, should I eat differently than 10 years ago? Or what role does age play in how a nutritionist would counsel somebody who's 60 versus somebody who's 30? So right. tell me your thoughts along those lines. Yeah, absolutely. So so generally, as we age, yeah, hormones definitely play a factor in that. And uh, you know, you have to work that much harder just to, to earn every pound that you do lose. So it is an, an unfortunate thing. But uh, you know, some things that we can do um, is try to keep our muscle, um, if not build muscle, um, so that we are burning more calories throughout the day. So I think 
you know, a lot of the time as we do age, we, we naturally lose muscle and we know that muscle burns calories. So if we have less, then, you know, we're burning less calories throughout the day. Um, so one, having that protein as you're losing weight can, can help offset any uh, diet-related muscle loss. But uh, definitely staying active, burning calories. And I get if you, you know, if you can't get to the gym or don't have the will to go to a gym for, you know, an hour or two hours a day, which, you know, I understand not everyone wants to do that. Um, you know, find every opportunity that you can just to be active, um, you know, take the stairs, park further away, stand up for your desk. They all sound, sound like simple things, but, you know, most of the time we really don't take the time to do them. And if we did, uh, it, it may have, you know, again, uh, some offset to, to the age-related weight gain that, that we do experience, um, you know, resistance training. Uh, you know, you don't have to be in a gym to do weights to, to get some resistance training. Our bodies are great resistance. So, uh, you know, wall squats, uh, lunges, wall push-ups, uh, resistance bands. So those are, those are some, some ways that we can uh, burn some extra calories um, since our metabolism does slow down as we age. Yeah, I think that's a really important understanding that people miss a lot. In fact, I had a discussion with a patient today about she was so frustrated. And this is common. She's so frustrated. Yeah. She's doing exactly the same thing nutritionally and activity-wise that she's done for the past 20 years. Mm-hmm. But she's uh, 54, 55, and she's noticed in the last two or three years that every year she'll put on three, four, five pounds. And really the explanation is physiology. Her basic yeah. metabolic rate, the amount of energy required to run her system. If you literally... Mm-hmm. woke up in the morning and laid flat out on the bed and didn't move, that's 70% of your energy expenditure just running your heart, your liver, right. your lungs. And we know as you age, that number goes down. So mm-hmm. it takes less, just just imagine your your car gets more efficient and it takes less gas to go the same length of time or length right. of, of mileage. So that's a given. There's no way to really get around that physiology. So if you do exactly the same thing, then you are going to put on weight because you're, you're storing that extra energy that your body doesn't really need. So you have to counterbalance that either by accelerating the activity that you're doing or cutting down on the intake. So there, there is that tweak that occurs with age. And then of course with women, you know, there's no question that there are shifts that happen in menopause with no hormones or, are very metabolically active. And for example, in the menopause, oftentimes you'll see not a big increase in testosterone, which is produced by the ovaries. We tend to think of that as the male hormone, Mm -hmm. but it is produced by the ovaries. But what happens in menopause, because there's such a big drop in estrogen, the relative amount of testosterone is increased. The body thinks there's more there because there's less of these balancing things. Mm-hmm. And testosterone tends to create a lot of increased fat around the midsection. Right. So that's why a lot of women, as they get in the 50s and 60s, will start to see a little bit of that, uh, uh, what the old commercial they used to talk about, midriff bulge. I love that term, <laughs> midriff bulge. I, yeah. for, for folks who are older than you know my age and older, there used to be a, I think it was a, maybe a pantyhose commercial or something that says, get rid of that midriff bulge. And I just always wondered what that was. <laughs> I finally figured out that's that abdominal stuff yep. in the middle that goes with age. Yeah. And, and that there's some things that you can do to help offset that. Uh, there's there's a bit of a myth that 
women have that going through menopause creates weight gain. Well, the reality is it's more age than it is than it is the hormones. And there's some things we can do with hormones, but that's not primarily why we why I would utilize hormones. If if mm-hmm. weight if weight is the major issue for someone in that age group, we're going a lot different places than just just hormones and I imagine we're going, on, see, we're going on our uh, on our plan <laughs> yes 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 we're doing something much differently uh, anything we're, we're getting close to our, our time here that I want to respect your time anything that if you could just think of one one thing you could recommend to someone nutritionally and I know that's putting you on the spot and that's, that's like you know, asking you to drink from a fire hydrant and you know asking <laughs> a nutritionist to think of one thing and that'd be like me saying one thing for women's health that you could suggest but yeah. just if you could think of one thing to, to leave our folks with that would be something that would be practical from the nutrition standpoint that would have a positive impact on their health what what would that be? Oh, that is tough. That, uh, that one is, is throwing me off. Uh, you know, I, I really, I don't think that there's one specific food, you know, that's going to make or break your health or one specific exercise that's going to make or break your health. Um, I think, I think a lot of it starts in our mind. And if our minds are right, then, you know, it's going to be easier for you to follow a, a healthy plan or a weight loss plan or stick to something. Um, so, as cheesy as this may be, and I know it's not necessarily one nutrition thing, but it, it's finding the balance. Um, you know, with, with everything, um, you know, you can't, you can't be on a diet hundred percent of the time. Uh, you know, you have to have a balance in there. Otherwise, you know, you're black and white and you go right back. Um, so I think that's true with a lot of things is, is just find the balance and, uh, don't be so black and white about things. I really like that. I really like that because I think that applies to not just nutrition, but life in general, you know, yeah. we, the old Greek ideal of nothing in excess everything in moderation you know it's an old greek ideal because it made a lot of sense for the last 2500 years yeah and i think that's good advice nutritionally we live in a, a world that's certainly polarized politically but we're also almost as polarized as we are nutritionally and it's Absolutely. it's very easy to lose our perspective sometimes and understand that eating balanced eating mm-hmm. um eating a variety of whole foods eating thing you know there's like you said there's no one just really bad well twinkies is probably just <laughs> really bad food but other than twinkies there's there's not any one really bad food and there's not yeah. really one magic food no matter what yeah. facebook facebook ads or late night tv tell you there's not really one superfood either yeah. so i think that's that's very very solid advice and it i think in a way it helps reduce some of the anxiety that people have when it comes to to food and nutrition yeah i think a lot of stagnation comes and frustration comes from getting what seems to be contradictory information yeah i think understanding that there's not one thing that's really going to disrupt a a diet if you go off the wagon one day well the only the only problem is is just get back on it. That's the only yeah. failure. It's not not because you blew it at a party one night and, right. and you mm-hmm. had too many cheesy poofs. It's just getting back on the the, the right. direction the next day, and that goes and back to that idea of balance. Yeah, it starts it starts in the mind. You know, uh, 
I always say that, you know, one salad's not going to translate to weight loss, just like one, you know, oops meal or one high carb meal is not going to, not going to lead to weight gain. It's really what you do before and what you do after that has more of an impact on your, on your health. So uh, absolutely not, not one thing, not one day is going to make it or break it. Perfect. Perfect. I think that's great advice to end on. Well, guys, if, if you are struggling with your weight and if you're having issues specifically as it relates to health and wellness, is it regarding weight, you know that we do have our women's wellness weight management program out of our office. And now you've got a real introduction <laughs> to somebody that you'd work with intimately for 12 weeks. In our first 12 weeks of our program, you meet with Stephanie and get a chance to pick her brain and use her expertise and rely on the advice that she has given to literally hundreds of folks, if not thousands over the years. Oh, yeah. And not only based in science, but based in results. So if yeah. this is an interest of you, give our office a call. You can go on our website and let us, uh, let us reach out to you and we can tell you a little bit about more about the program as it specifically applies to you. Listen, wow, folks, thank y'all for being a part of Thirsty Thursdays, like always. And remember, <laughs> make healthy choices. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Women's Online Wellness Podcast. To join the conversation, access show notes, and discover bonus content, Join our private Facebook community by sending a request to Women's Online Wellness. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to hear more, just head over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and leave a review. For questions about the podcast or to get more information, email Dr. Eaker at r-e-a-k-e-r at yahoo.com. Thank you for listening, and until next time, choose to be healthy.